Hi everybody, welcome to Binge Thinking, the show where we interview millennials about their lives, their passions, struggles, and how they want to change the world. I'm your host, Casper Roxburgh, and this is episode 22. This fortnight, you'll hear me speaking to 29-year-old engineer Josh Worley. Josh grew up in regional Queensland, and a few years ago, while on holiday in Thailand, decided to go on a two-day rock climbing trip. This sparked what would become a lifelong passion for climbing mountains. That passion has led Josh to embark on an ambitious journey around the world climbing some of the most stunning mountains, while also raising $100,000 for mental health services and the environment. Josh explains how climbing helped him confront fear and anxiety, as well as enjoy the incredible beauty of the natural world. He realizes that he's incredibly lucky to do this, and he wants his hobby to give back these benefits to other people. If you enjoy this episode, please share it on social media, like the show on Facebook, on Instagram, or on Twitter. You can email us for a free sticker of the show, which we'll send out to you, and you can stick it on something, and you can post it online, and that'll be really cool for us. Or you can just send us your feedback and suggestions for the show. We'd love to hear from you. As always... This episode was produced by Nina Roxburgh and features music by Big Gigantic. But now, without further ado, Binge Thinking presents Josh Worley. Uh, I remember that my older brother packed my bag for me and put in a brick, a um, little yeah. prick. <laughs> little prick put a brick in your bag. <laughs> he certainly did. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. Your, your little brother? No, no, my older, older brother. brother right. My older brother. Okay, so he yeah. was in grade three at the time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he put, well, it was really half a brick, but I mean, when you're five years old, half a brick's a lot of bloody weight. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I remember that about my first day of school. And I remember being super chill because most of my friends from preschool yeah. were in my grade one class. Oh, well, that makes it easy. It does. And really cool now that um, probably about a dozen of us are still really good mates. Yeah, right. Really? Yeah, yeah. Where did you grow up? Gladstone. Gladstone. Yeah, so... That's not Brisbane. It's not Brisbane, no. Tell me more <laughs> about this not Brisbane place. So, it's about seven hours north of uh, Brisbane on the coast. So... Yep. Um... It's an industrial town, so it's got, you know... What are we talking here? We're talking aluminum refineries, yep. power stations... Classic. Um, coal port. This um, is LNP territory. It might, Well, actually, it's Labor Town. Really? Yeah. It, when it, did that happen? It does swing from time to time, but it, it uh, it's currently Labor, I believe. Yeah. So, <laughs> when did you make the move to Brizzy? Uh, two years ago now. Um, Only two years ago. Were you in Rockhampton beforehand? No, so I grew up in Gladstone. I did a bit of uni in Rocky, lived and worked in Nanango, which is kind of northwest of here, of Brisbane, and then uh, yeah. worked in Gladstone for the last five, six years, mm-hmm. and then moved to Brisbane. So I've kind of always lived and worked regional Queensland. Okay. Um, yeah, and then decided to move to Brisbane. So... How was the cultural shift from regional Queensland to southeast Queensland? Um, it was great. Uh, it's been interesting in, in quite a few respects. So, I find particularly the young people, there wasn't so much of a big difference mm-hmm. in terms of their political cultural. views and cultural like views on 
on the world, like, and the the, the desire to explore mm. new places, travel. Yeah, that was all very common. Um, I think it was just more the the, the recreational activities. Yeah. So in the regional areas, you definitely had a lot more people that were into four wheel driving and mm. pig hunting. That type, of, yeah. <laughs> well, hunting. you know, I didn't realize that was such a big deal. Yeah, well, it, a lot of people do it, and maybe it's there's just as many people that do it in Brisbane. It's just that they're hidden amongst so many other things. Yeah, right? true. Yeah, um, but yeah, fishing and that type of thing that was very, very pronounced. Whereas not so pronounced here in Brisbane, I would think. What? At least not did, the circles that I hang did. You out. did you like when you first moved to Brisbane? Were you like? Wow, it's amazing. There are so many people that just like going to the movies. <laughs> what was the thing that replaced pig hunting well, in the spectrum? Well, well, the whole reason I moved to Brisbane was to be around a more active climbing community, you see. Yeah, right. So, it was, did that happen? Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, it, so, it was a very conscious move. So, I, I kind of sought those people out. So, I surrounded myself with people that were always out hiking or camping or mm. climbing or... Mm. You know, canyoning, those types yeah. of activities. So you were in a bubble, basically, from day one. Oh, mate, yeah. yeah. I, I put myself straight in that bubble. Straight in that bubble. <laughs> that bubble's a safe, warm, it's a, cozy yeah, place exactly. to be. Just yeah, like yeah, the yeah. womb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are live, binge thinking in none other than the the space of the great man himself, Dan Barwick's <laughs> bedroom, my home away from home for binge thinking recordings. And I'm sitting opposite Josh Worley. Say hey, hello, Casper. How are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, I'm great, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Pleasure to be here. I'm um, excited. Yeah, so why don't you start getting us into the binge thinking vibe by telling the audience who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Josh Worley. I'm uh, an engineer during the day, by day. I work at Horizon, but uh, by night and uh, on weekends and almost any other time that I'm not at a desk, I'm uh, a rock climber, uh, mountaineer, alpinist, is the term that I prefer to use. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Is that the PC term? Uh, no, no. The, it's, it's it's a slightly different, I suppose, style or discipline yeah. of climbing. And um, I mean, we can go into that um, if you like. <laughs> oh, oh, we will. Oh, we will. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Um, and I guess all things kind of climbing related. So that's that's my area of passion. Yeah. Um, and Well, slow down, cowboy. All right, yeah. We'll get to your passions. <laughs> let's, let's start by getting to know you a little bit. So... How did you get into climbing? Uh, I always had an innate drive to climb things, I suppose, growing up. You know, you hear stories of people climbing trees. You know, we had a big gum tree in our yeah. front yard of the house that I grew up in and constantly climbing up that as a young fellow. And we had uh, on the hill behind our house uh, a water tower, like a water reservoir. Yeah. And they've cut it through some shaly rock. And it's probably only about six or seven metres high. Um, not quite vertical, but pretty close, probably 80 degrees. Yeah. And I used to climb that all the time after school. Yeah. And this stuff is so rotten, the rock. Yeah. You would literally climb it and as you grab the rock, it would come off with okay. your hands. Right. So, yeah, yeah. completely sketchy, yeah. you know, just a, a no kid. No good, not no, a good climb. No, no, mm. horrible. Yeah. Stuff you completely yeah. avoid it, yeah, that yeah. I avoid these days. But um, I guess I just had that drive to want to do it. Mm. Um, so, I always did that. And then it wasn't until I was about 19, actually, uh, went on my first overseas trip with three mates um, to Thailand. Yeah, okay. And we were spending a week up in the north of Thailand, and I managed to convince my three mates to spend some of their hard-earned cash on a two-day rock climbing course. Yeah. And that was kind of, I guess, the start for me to get into climbing. Yeah. 
as a real sport. So what drove you to do that at that moment when you were in Thailand? Why, why did you decide all of a sudden that you wanted to do a climbing course? Uh, so we went up to north to kind of relax and get away from the city and and just get out in amongst nature, you know. So we did a couple mm. of hikes. We got mm. ATV bikes and drove them through the mountains. Yeah, cool. And I saw this offer for a two-day rock climbing course, learning how to climb outdoors essentially, you know, and mm. learn some of the technical skills required to do that safely. You know, my eyes lit up and I just thought, great, like here's my mm. chance to, you know, get those skills so that when I get back to Australia... I can get some rope, get some gear and and get into it, get you know. Going. You know, I yeah. don't need to pay someone to were take you, me out. Were you thinking about your climbing experiences as a kid at that point or was it just No, no, not at all. Yeah, right. Uh, it was that still internal drive uh, mm. that drove me to do that. Yeah. But there was no like coming from reflection. Yeah, it was yeah. coming from the same space, but yeah. no no I guess reflection back on what my childhood climbing experiences were or yeah. for that matter visions of what my future climbing experience is like. Yeah. I, I really had no vision of what I wanted to do mm. into the future with climbing. I just knew it was something I wanted to do. Yeah. So you do this course in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? I came back to Australia. I was at university at the time and did a bit of climbing here and there when I could. Uh, the problem with living in regional Australia, particularly in central Queensland, is there's not a lot of places to go climbing, but there's yeah. even fewer people that do it. Yeah, right. Uh, so, unless you want to solo something, as mm. in without a rope, yeah. you need a partner. Uh, okay. You need someone else that you can go with. Yeah. And so, I continually struggled to find someone to go climbing. I took a few friends out from time to time, but it was always, you know, their first time or yeah, their second time. Yeah. So, I was always kind of playing the role of the teacher. Yeah. yeah, which was fine. I enjoyed that, but mm. it, it didn't enable me, I suppose, to progress. Um my first time through Europe, though, when I was 24, I found myself in Switzerland mm. and I met up with this Swiss guy who was married to a Kiwi lady mm. and I just wanted to go climbing for a couple of days, you know, just go rock climbing. Yeah. And we did that and it was fantastic. And then he said to me, he's like, well, while you're here, do you want to try something a little bit more Swiss? <laughs> he's like, do you want to go ice climbing for a day? Yeah. And I was like, fuck, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> And he took me up onto this glacier and we climbed on this glacier and I have this really, you know, vivid memory. It's going to stick with me, I'm sure, uh, until the day I die that mm. we'd been rock climbing in the same area, the same valley the day before down below the glacier. Yeah. And there were people rock climbing there today, uh, the day we were there. So, I knew that. And we were ice climbing on this glacier. And then I remember this moment, I was climbing up out of this crevasse and I looked up and there were two guys wingsuiting past no way like so that's like when you jump off the yep. edge so, of the cliff and you've got that suit the little possum fly. suit yep yeah. the little where they fly yeah no so way. two guys and this is in yeah yeah this was in 2012 yeah um so it was becoming a, a thing then mm. but definitely not as big as what it is today sure and i remember that just being this moment coming over me just going this is exactly where i need to be this is exactly what i want to do yeah you know i don't want to be anywhere else yeah the rest of that week, he took me on my first alpine climbing experience and, yeah. you know, it just solidified that feeling, mm-hmm. you know, that this was the closest thing I've ever had to what I would call a spiritual awakening. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So, that was like your first spiritual experience. Tell me more. <laughs> what do you mean by spiritual experience? So, by that, I mean it gave me complete fulfillment. 
I hadn't experienced that kind of feeling through any other means previously. Mm. And I'm yet to experience it via any other means since that day. Okay. Um, but it gives me, you know, intellectual stimulation, yeah. uh, which is something that I crave and desire and, and seek out. Mm-hmm. It gives me physical challenges mm-hmm. um, and mental challenges more often than not. Um, it's the mental challenges that are the crux of the problem rather than the physical. Yeah. And it gives me a, a sense of purpose in, mm-hmm. what, in what I'm doing. Okay, so you obviously love climbing. Mm. So tell me a bit about this vertical year that you're doing. Yeah, so not long after that very moment uh, in Switzerland, yeah, I started to think about how could I do this on a more frequent basis. You know, what yeah. did I want? To, how did I want this to be part of my life? Mm. And around that time, I kind of set myself a a bit of a pipe dream, I suppose. You yeah. describe it as 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 climbing a technical route on a 6,000-meter peak. Um, and when I was researching various peaks, uh, this one in particular called El Pameo in uh, the Cordillera Blanca in Peru just struck me. It's mm. aesthetically one of the most beautiful mountains in the world. It's technical, yeah. um, and it doesn't quite get to 6,000 meters. It's 5,900 and... 87 yeah, but it's okay. you know it's close so enough there, yeah i'm rounded up so that was i set myself that goal to to climb that particular yeah. mountain by the time mm. i was 30 yeah and and just for the listeners sake if they don't know it's already yeah australia does not have any peaks of that height right no so kosciuszko is about 2300 meters and, and essentially has a road yeah. leading to its summit yeah you know, it's, so it's, it's a hill that's it's a the tallest hill. mountain in australia yeah Mount in Kosciuszko. australia yeah, yeah yeah and we and we have few i guess what you would call Technical mountains. Mm. What, um, what exactly is a technical mountain? Just, just for clarification. Oh, what do you mean when you say like a technical climb? A technical climb. So something that requires climbing skill. So whether that's aid climbing, which is the use of artificial means to climb uh, a rock face, or mm. so you're using, say, a hammer and um, to hammer in metal spikes, and then okay. you're, you're using that to help you ascend. Yeah. So that's what you would call artif, as the French would say, art- yep. artificial climbing, um, where you're not actually using the features of the rock and your mm-hmm. hands to climb it. You're using mechanical means to climb the rock. Yeah. Okay. Um, otherwise, yeah, free climbing. Um, so a lot of people, when they think of free climbing, they think of Alex Honnold and climbing without a rope. Yeah. Uh, that's soloing. So free climbing essentially means you're using your hands and feet and just the natural features mm. of the rock to climb the wall. Mm. But you still have a rope? Yes, you still okay. have a rope. Okay. Uh, and then you've got like ice climbing where you've got, you know, people have probably seen the images of ice tools, whether, you know, like a pick and then mm-hmm. um, crampons, which are essentially spikes that you attach to your feet. And yes. You, you use that to, those, yeah, 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 you use those to kind of keep yourself connected to the ice. Yeah. Um, so a technical route, I guess I would describe as a route that requires those types of skills yeah not just walking basically not not just walking and not a route where say on everest for example Mm -hmm. there's teams of people that will climb the mountain before the the westerners do and Mm -hmm. they fix ropes so they will put pre-placed anchors up the mountain okay and between these anchors they'll connect sections of rope right and the clients will essentially attach themselves to that rope Mm-hmm. and use that rope to ascend yep. the mountain. 
So that's not technical climbing at okay, all. That's sure. that's almost the exact opposite. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I don't think people would really think of it as climbing, you know, in the sense that you're talking about. You know, it's, no, it's, no, but it's yeah. definitely, I mean, Everest is where people's first thoughts go to, which is completely natural yeah. and, and understandable. Um, mm. But they're very two different yeah. styles of so, climbing. So yeah. the, the, the nuts and bolts of it is that there's, there's more than one way to climb yeah. a mountain. Yes. And you go for the much more technical style. And that's what yes. you were going for with this... Uh, what was the name of the mountain again? Uh, El Pameo. El Pameo yeah. in, in Peru. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and a lot of that is not only because it's more physically demanding, mm. which is... Uh, part of the challenge. Part of the challenge. But more so, it's the mental challenges. Right. Um, because as you're climbing, you're, you're route finding, you're trying to go, okay, well, you know, there's no map. Which way do I go? What is yep. the safest way to go? How mm-hmm. do I avoid the natural obstacles mm-hmm. of the mountain to make it as easy as possible to get to the top? Mm-hmm. You know, you're also thinking about, well, what's the weather doing? You know, how am I feeling physically, yeah. Yeah. mentally? How's my partner feeling yeah. physically, mentally? And you're trying mm-hmm. to manage all these risks to a manageable level so that you can get to the top, but more importantly, that you get down safely. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. It sounds insanely stressful. It very much can be. Yeah. Um, but again, that's something that you aren't necessarily enjoying while you're doing it, as mm. in like, oh, wow, this is awesome fun. Yeah, just pure uh, pleasure. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's something that you're battling with and, and battling through and, and mm. constantly dealing with. And at the end of it, you look back and you go, wow, you know, yeah. that was insane. That yeah. was absolutely, you know, and you get this euphoria. Yeah. Um, and you is know, that the spiritual moment that you talk about? I think that's part of it, but I don't think that's it in its entirety. Okay. You know, I think even during those hardships, that is the spiritual moment as well mm. because you're in an environment which is forcing you to engage with these risks mm. in a way that many of us no longer have to in modern life, mm. you know, which is a good thing. But, you know, it's something I find that need to have to engage with that environment in that way, mm. not only in order to be successful, but it, sometimes in order to survive. Yeah, of course. A very spiritual yeah. experience mm. Yeah. Mm. and something I really enjoy. But how did this lead to the vertical year? Yeah, so essentially, um, yeah, decided to take a year off and I wanted to spend that year climbing mm-hmm. um, to challenge myself not only as a climber but also as a person, you know, as yeah. a human being. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'll be travelling through Canada, Peru, uh, the US and New Zealand mm-hmm. um, doing different climbing styles, uh, trying to tick off about 80 different objectives um yeah and i think we're covering about 34 kilometers of vertical distance wow so obviously if you think about a kilometer um and then we put that vertically you know that's yeah yeah 34 of those so yeah so it's that should be really fun and then yeah so we're partnered with reach out australia and climate council and trying to raise uh a hundred thousand dollars for them and hopefully the equivalent amount of awareness of of the work that they're doing and Mm. and and the messages that they're putting out there um so why 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 would you go climbing in this situation like what what is it that makes you want to go and do that so i guess why i think it's necessary is is i really thrive off engaging in these environments and in these hazards in a conscious way you know Mm. um in my day-to-day life as i'm sure with many people you know, we're not encouraged to engage with fear or risk. You know, we're kind of protected and we become almost ignorant to those things that are around us. Mm. 
but the process of engaging with those risks is something that gives me such incredible fulfillment mm. um, that it's very much worthwhile. Why do you think you get that fulfillment from engaging with these emotions? Maybe because it's something that's lacking in modern society or, or maybe just make it lacking in my life. Mm. Um, well, what, why though? Because I mean, it's, you know, the reality is most people aren't doing this. So, so mm. there's got to be something about you in particular. What, what do you think that might be? I'm not sure. Um, like I said earlier, it's, I guess I've always just had this innate drive to want to climb things. Mm. I've also, you know, always had an innate drive to want to test myself, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's quite a human condition, you know, quite a regular, you know, we all want to challenge ourselves. And once we get somewhere, you know, we're always looking on the horizon. Mm. What's next? You know, yeah. what, what, what can we do that's going to push me that little bit further? Yeah. You know, people. Or where can I go? I mean, we were talking about this before the recording. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question. No, that's, and, that's and, and I don't know if I know the answer yeah, myself yeah, either. Yeah. You know, I guess so, that's part of it is on, on a constant mm, journey of self-discovery. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's what we do when people engage with something that they are working on. Most people have something in their life that they feel like they're striving, they're kind yeah. of fighting for something yep. and they're trying to get better or more knowledgeable or, or build their skills in some way because they're trying to tackle this challenge or this problem. And for some people, it's to build a business and for others, it's much more personal or it's, or, and it's bound up in the physical or it's in the mental or something like that. But there's but, passion there, right? There's, yeah, a, there's a fire that's feeding that. And yeah. I mean, where does that passion come from for any of us? Mm. Um well, yeah. You know, it means for some people, there's definitely a personal connection mm. or an event or a moment. Mm. Um, for me, you know, it was obviously Switzerland, which kind of was the flick of the switch. Yeah. But there was something already there, mm. you know, waiting mm. to be unhatched. That was just the thing that opened Pandora's box. Yeah. So to speak, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I totally understand what you're saying, you know, and, and, and that's part of what I want to try and show people is that it doesn't have to be mountaineering. It doesn't have yeah. to be climbing. Mm. You know, if you're passionate about providing safe and clean drinking water for kids in developing nations you know yeah. like pursue that yeah, yeah there is no right or wrong way you mm. know and it's not going to be a, a straight or an easy journey and you know mm. you're going to have constant obstacles and setbacks but you know if there's a fire in your belly then you need to stoke it and you yeah. need to keep moving forward with it and, and the rewards are there you yeah. know so this is really what you want to show people through the climb, beyond the climbing community, and, exactly. And the work and the directly that people that you're going to work with. That, yeah, yeah. For the community at large, I, I want to inspire them to examine themselves more closely mm. and see what it is inside them that lights their fire. Mm. You know, and try and open their Pandora's box and go, okay, what's this mean? Where where am I going? What's what's my dream? You know, mm. what's my elpamaya? Why do you think that? fear and anxiety engaging with those two experiences and emotions through climbing gives you in particular such a sense of growth and that sense of struggle um i think we hear it all the time you know when we're growing up you know face your fears you know it's Mm. a good thing to face your fears yeah it might be good but it's that doesn't make it an easy thing to do Mm. and it's something that i jab out a little bit in my professional life as an engineer because um, you know i work in, in typically heavy industrial environments and you know workplace health and safety is a very big industry yeah. um these days and there's a certain philosophy associated with that which is kind of at odds 
mm. a little bit with my own personal philosophy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's very procedural risk assessments and things, yeah. which, you which know, I, drive any man or woman or anyone. Yeah, a bit crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And um, but I think the reason why it drives me in particular crazy is because it's not creating an environment that gets people to engage with yeah. the hazards around them. You yeah. know. Not um, alert because yeah. you're kind of managing everything so you can be an automaton. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, it kind of instills this thought, well, you know, someone else has already thought mm. of all these uh, hazards for me. I don't have to think about that. I'll just concentrate mm. on the job that I'm doing. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I don't think people have to throw themselves onto a, the side of a mountain to do this. You know, mm. we all have things that we're scared of and mm-hmm. that we're anxious about. Mm. So I think it's just about, you know, every now and then just kind of exposing ourselves to those environment and then just kind of unpacking it a little bit and just trying to understand, well, why am I feeling this way? And try and rationalize a little bit and think, okay, well, what controls can I put in place mm-hmm. and kind of work through that process. So is it is it really about awakening something inside human beings that you think we might have lost in our comfortable lives in the city? Quite possibly. Yeah. Yeah. If we use the example of automated cars, I love the idea of automated cars. Yeah. You know, I, I love the prospect that, hey, you know, if we have automated cars, I can jump in one. It can take me 12 hours down to the Blue Mountains for a weekend of climbing. I can, mm-hmm. I can sleep in those 12 hours. Yeah. I don't have to drive. Yeah. But what do we lose? We lose that skill of driving. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, more than that. And, and, we, and a whole we, bunch. We lose our sense of the value of being able to step into a car and have it take us somewhere in the same way that, we don't think of how lucky we are to be able to get on a plane and fly halfway across the world in, the, in what, a day? You yeah. Know? And imagine when it used to take people months, months. on a boat. That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you're always losing something, right, with mm. whatever we gain. And mm. I think that in our relatively comfortable modern society, one of the things that we have lost, in my opinion, is our ability to manage fear, mm. adversity, anxiety. Mm. And I think if we don't, do something about that, at least on a, a personal level, that's potentially a slippery slope for many people, you know, mm-hmm. um, which to me is a scary thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, youth suicide is still as high as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. You know, mental health is a growing problem in our society. Yeah. And by no means is this the one factor or the silver bullet. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a multifaceted problem like most. But I think it's something that's important that we need to be talking about, you yeah. know, is how do we change the way we think about these things? Mm. It's, it's interesting the way that, you know, your, your trip is bringing together these two key themes around mental health and then also the physical, the environment and everything. And in this time when, you know, you wake up in the morning and you pick up your phone and look at your notifications before you say good morning to your partner <laughs> or you know, before you just take a moment to kind of wake up or anything, you know, it's it's, it's absolutely crazy how much of our lives are, you know, living on the screen. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. have a podcast show. <laughs> I, you know, I rely on this. Oh, mate, you um, and me both. I love, yeah. I love it as but, well. But at the same time, we're absent, increasingly absent from the physical world around us. Yeah. And it's not just about fear and anxiety. It's also about just going and being, like physically being, being in a place and doing something with your body yep. and remembering that this is what it means to be human as well. Very much. I mean, it's mm. one of the the major things I love about being in the mountains. You know, for, mm. for, for most of next year, while I'm in Peru, um, yeah. even the places I'm going to do big wall rock climbing in the US, 
and definitely in New Zealand. New Zealand, mm. you don't often think of it as a remote place, but the mountains there are extremely remote. Mm. Um, I mean, most times you have to actually fly to mm. get to them. And so that means that I won't have uh, internet access for the vast majority of periods. And that's something that I love about being in the mountains yeah. Is, is, yeah, totally disconnecting from that world mm. and being 100% present in the environment and in what I'm doing at that moment, mm. you know. And aware of things. Aware exactly. Aware of things you don't notice. And this gets back to that whole thing about engaging the fear and the and the yep. anxiety to... Sh- it's almost sharpening the senses. Yes, exactly. In a way. And it, it's just a different way of being. Yeah. So, what would you describe as your struggle? Ooh. Honestly, I think my struggle is trying to find means and ways in which enable me to push myself and test myself and kind of get that same fulfillment in the everyday. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I can get that quite easily out in the mountain environment. I know how to get that and I know how to organize that. But I guess my biggest struggle is then returning. Yeah. Coming to my back to the coming co- coming back to and like don't get me wrong I, I love my life yeah I enjoy my work mm-hmm. you know I love being an engineer yep I have an amazing partner mm-hmm. um, who I love and who loves me and it doesn't get, it doesn't get better than that does it no nope. it's amazing um, so there's nothing wrong with my life but I think that's what I would say my struggle is is is, is getting what I get in the mountains you know mm-hmm. that that spiritual fulfillment yeah um, if I can describe it like that. Mm-hmm. And bringing that into my everyday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you could change anything about the world, what would it be? Uh, what would I change? Mm. I think I would change people's willingness to be more open to things. So, by that I mean being open to being challenged mm-hmm. and being open to challenging themselves and looking at things through different lenses. Mm. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you are too. Like, you know, we all are. Like, we look through things through our own conscious and unconscious biases. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's part of human nature, but I think we all have a a resistance to change that or challenge that. So, Mm. I think having people to be more open, you know, more open to just having a discussion. I mean, life's a discussion, right? Yeah. Well, like, life's and, a negotiation. It's well, yeah, that's and a tension between <laughs> various competing interests. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, Josh, it has been a pleasure going down this seriously deep binge thinking rabbit hole that we went down on this occasion. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It's so, been my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Um, before you do go, mm. can you tell the listeners how they can find out more about this incredible journey that you're going on sure. and maybe support your incredible yeah. initiative? Totally. So, uh, got a website up and running. So, it's www.verticalyear.com. www.verticalyear.com. Uh, so, that's pretty much the site that you can go to to find out all about the trip. You mm-hmm. know, um, I'm writing articles and putting them up there, talking right. about all these blog things, posts. you know, blog posts. Not, yep. But not only about the stuff that I'm climbing, but, you know, fear mm-hmm. and anxiety and yep. conservation in the environment and all these mm-hmm. things that we're talking about. Uh, you can also donate directly through that website and yep. donations are tax deductible and 100% right. of the proceeds go to both charities. So, we're doing a 50-50 split yep. between Reach Out and Climate Council. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not taking any funding yep. uh, or any portion of the donation. You're I'm funding fully this. Self-funded. Fully self-funded. Fully mm-hmm. self-funded this trip. Uh, you can also follow us on all the socials. So, we're yeah. on Twitter. Yep. So, Vertical Year, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, 
same again. Vertical it's year. Vertical year. And uh, oh, we've got a Facebook page as well, which is vertical year. Yeah, wicked. Um, so it's nice and simple, but uh, mm. yeah, jump on and um, and follow that. It would be fantastic. And if people, you know, want to support, they can either throw some money behind the campaign, uh, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. So like I said, you can do that through the uh, website. Yep. But even just, I think, what I would really love to see is people just talking about the content that I'm trying to provide. Yeah. Talking about things like fear and anxiety, talking about how we engage with the environment, how if we're out there in the environment, then we're stewards of the environment. Yeah. On that note, we'll leave it there. Thanks, Josh Rolly, and thanks all you binge thinkers for listening to the episode. I'm Casper, and peace out. Thanks. Peace.